0: Welcome to Church in the Valley, Church in the Morning. It is a beautiful Sunday morning here in Alhambra. We are super glad to have all of you here. Uh, you guys come and find your seats. Uh, we, I just want to let you guys know that we have some lyrics over there on the tables if you're looking for hard copies, or you can find them on our lovely screens up here. Uh, also online at CIVAlhambra.com, you can find your connection card as well as the speaker notes and anything else that you need. For today. Thank you for joining us in person or online. Uh, why don't you guys stand with us as we begin to worship our God and sing. Uh, I'm going to pray for us as we um, invite, uh, really open our hearts to the Lord. So God, we pray uh, that this morning as we open our hearts to you that your word would seep deep into it. And we position our hearts so that we could listen to your word, and listen to your truth, and listen to your voice. So as we sing these songs, Lord, we sing these songs of invitation saying that we are ready and we want to hear from you. Uh, We love you and we're excited for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us, sing it out, come rest on us, come down, Spirit when you move you make my heart pound, when you fill the room, you're here and I know you are moving, I'm here and I know you will fill me. I feel there.
0: church I see joy rising
1: I see joy rising
0: I hear hope calling
1: I see fear hiding I hear chains falling I see walls shaking I hear doubt running
2: Thanks, Victor. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Jeremy Walker, and I work here at Church in the Valley with the First Impressions team. And so I wanted to welcome you guys this morning and uh, just let you know about some things coming up in church life and things going on. Uh, first of all, if you're a guest, um, we're really glad that you took your Sunday morning to be with us this morning. And so we have a gift for you. Over at the guest resource table, there's a book called How Good is Good Enough. And you're welcome to grab a copy of that. It's totally free. And we'd love for you to, be able to take that home and read that. Um, If you're listening this morning, there's multiple ways to hear the lyrics and the message notes. You should have gotten a program which has uh, written things of your message notes as well. Um, They'll also be on the screen. And uh, we'll have the lyrics up there for the rest of the songs. And if you want a physical copy of the rest of the lyrics, you can also grab a copy of that at the guest resource table. Or if you're online with us, you can access that at civlhammer.com forward slash Sunday. There are buckets that are going to be placed around uh, the area and that you can put your recyclables and pins in that after the service is over and then if you're giving in person this morning you can put that in those baskets as well and we'll collect that you can also again give online at civalhambra.com um, some other things going on inside your program there some announcements as well as a connection card if you have a connection card we wouldn't mind if you guys would fill it out this morning uh, even you know while i'm talking or before we, we go on with the rest of the service uh, if you're a regular tender member you can just mark any information on there that you need to update or things pertaining to some events coming up that I'm just about to talk about. Um, If you're a guest with us out of town or first, second time guest, um, if you want to go ahead and just mark any information on there that uh, you wouldn't mind sharing with us. In particular, if you wouldn't mind letting us know how you heard about Church in the Valley, um, that would really be a big help to us as well. On the back side, there's a place to mark uh, your next steps of what we're going to hear in the service. Uh, We'd love to be able to pray with you uh, on that. Or if you have questions or things you want to sign up for, get information about, that's on the back of your connection card as well that you can get access to. Um, a couple of things coming up in church life. One, today, uh, we have a baptism overview at 1115. Uh, for those interested in getting baptized on November 14th, or if you're wanting just to get more information about what baptism is and what that all entails, uh, today at 1115, Mark Klepsik, who's right over here, wave your hand, Mark, there you go. Um, he's going to be doing the baptism overview. Uh, at the orange umbrella tables uh, just behind him over there at 11.15. So if you're interested in that, just make your way over there after the service. Um, in two weeks from today uh, on uh, on October 31st, we're going to be having a harvest party here in the courtyard. It's going to totally get revamped to look uh, like, a, like a mini carnival area and stuff like that and all sorts of fun things. And so that's going to be from 2 to 4 p.m. that day. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be food and games and Uh, all sorts of things to do. And so, as you can imagine, uh, to turn this courtyard into something like that does require a lot of work. And so if you're interested in either helping set up or helping run things or tear down or just anything related to that day, you can sign up either on your connection card uh, to let us know you'd like to volunteer to help with that. Or there's a QR code inside of your program that you can sign up that way as well um, to let us know. And then we'll, we'll get back to you on ways you can be a help. Um, last uh, announcement is there's a, another service opportunity this Friday. So uh, Barry and Holly uh, Rogers, who, who, you know, left our church to help go start uh, a sister church in our network of churches, um, Valley Lights Church up in Santa Clarita, um, along with a bunch of other people, they are going to be having sports camp uh, this Friday night, October 22nd from 5.30 to 9 p.m. And I think they're doing it throughout the weekend, but in particular this Friday night, they needed some extra volunteers. Um, as as of a couple days ago they still needed about 12 volunteers to be able to help with that so if you're thinking hey I love sports and little kids and be able to help with stuff like that and you have the time we would uh, if you could let uh, John Rickert know or even just mark down your connection card if you don't see him today to let him know that you'd be interested in helping with that that would be a big help to them uh, and being able to just to reach more more families in their community and be able to just have a good time with that so um, let me pray for us and then we're going to continue to worship, and then we'll invite John up to, to give our message. So, Father, thank you uh, thank you for these, all these people here this morning that uh, come from a variety of you know, backgrounds and places and things, and, and yet you've knitted their hearts together um, through coming here and being a part of the community at Church in the Valley. And God, for those of you, them that have a relationship with you, I really do pray that you would strengthen that this morning and help them have better understanding of how to walk with you. And uh, for those that are still investigating that, pray you would really make that clear, um, what it would look like uh, to begin a relationship with you and why that would be such a great choice. And so um, would you really be honored this morning, not just with uh, the words of our mouths, God, but really the meditations of our hearts. Let pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: stand with us as we begin to sing again of our salvation and the goodness of God? That. With Jesus, death was stopped in its tracks. It was defeated. and has no rule over us anymore.
1: Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested Only beauty remains. My often heart. Was arrested in my life. Rejoiced as though heaven had love. But then Jesus rose with our freedom in we <laughs>
3: Good morning, church. How are you? It's a beautiful morning to be with beautiful people. You You know, this is Southern California. The beautiful people live here, right? That's what they think and i just look out and it's it's true so uh, so today we're starting a new series in our sunday morning uh time and we finished the series through exodus chapter 32 through 34 and which was had the overall title of "Who is Your God, looking at the character of God as expressed in that sort of interaction between God, Moses, and Israel uh, after the Isra- after Israel committed idolatry and saw that reconciliation, that restoration we 're going to pick up a little bit on some of the themes we saw in Exodus 34 as we go into the next series. And we'll call this series Trusting the Character of God, Trusting the Character of God. But I don't know if you remember, but when we looked at Exodus 34, the first part, there's a scene on Mount Sinai as God reveals himself to Moses. Moses is asked to see God's glory, and God reveals himself to Moses. Uh, he says, you can only see my back. But then he goes, he kind of got, get to see the face of God but he does stand oh, God puts him in the cleft of a rock and, and, and God walks by and uh, he announces himself and he's, he gives his name, Yahweh, Yahweh and then he gives a series of statements about his character, his faithfulness, his forgiving nature, uh, his justice and so on and there's a kind of confession about who God is and I'm just going to Remind us by reading reading that out. This is from Exodus chapter 34. We're going to end up today in Numbers chapter 14. But this is what the Lord said about himself in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, just by way of reminder. The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgression and sin, Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the grandchildren to third and fourth generations. That's that's what God said about himself. And Moses immediately bowed and worshipped this God of mercy and justice and faithfulness. And so what we discover as we read through the Old Testament is that those two verses, Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, that I just read, become a kind of creed or a statement of faith, something that Israel keeps going back to when they're in trouble, keeps going back to when when they need to pray or when they want to know who God is. They keep going back to that specific revelation of God's character. Let me say something about our relationship with God that we've got to have a proper view of who God is, of his character and his power, his nature. Because if we don kind of, if we 're serving a twisted view of god if we 've got in our in our vision a view of God that isn 't right, then it 's going to create all kinds of spiritual problems in our lives uh, because we 're actually serving a mis a, a sort of a, a false picture rather than the true god, and so that confession of exodus thirty four six and seven or if you like the statement that God says about himself that then is repeated over and over in the old testament in in different ways parts of it sometimes uh sometimes you know verse six sometimes verse seven but bits of it are repeated and used again and again and what this series is going to do is trace where those confessions are used again in the old testament and look at those passages and see how they had to learn to trust in the character of god and so shall we. Now, our passage today is Numbers chapter 14 verses 1 to 24, and we'll we'll read it in a minute, or parts of it in a minute, but it's all about fear versus faith. So our title today, Faith Facing Fear. The context of this passage is that in Numbers chapter 13, immediately prior to our passage, Moses had sent 12 men from Israel, one from each tribe, to spy out the land uh, of Canaan that God was sending them to. They had to go and, and bring back a report. What's the land like? Is it good? What are the cities like? How are they armed? How are they, uh, what's, the, what's the harvest like? What's the terrain like? And the 12 come back with a report saying this. Uh, it's it's a good land well they said it not quite in those terms they said it's a land flowing with milk and honey we'll talk about what that means in a, a bit later but it basically means it's fruitful and productive it's 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 a good place to be but they said at least 10 of the 12 said yes flowing with milk and honey but uh, there's giants there they're powerful people there there we can't take it it's it's we're just gonna we're gonna lose this battle if we go into this into this promised land and what happens is that uh everybody just gets totally freaked out by this report you know this is a people that have come up from egypt they've escaped from slavery national slavery in egypt by the miraculous work of god They've come through the Red Sea by the miracles of God. They've been supplied with food and water by the miracles of God. They've been guided by God's presence and His visible act by giving them a cloud and a, a day and a fire at night to show them the way ahead. They've never had to fight a battle so far, Right? All their enemies have been dealt with by the Lord and the Egyptian army that was after them was drowned in the sea and so on. So they, they have, had never had to fight a battle and for 400 years, they've been slaves. And now they're coming to a place where they're going to have to go in as a people and face enemies and fight battles. And I, I can understand that they might feel afraid. But let's pick up, uh, but the story is a, about this fear. And there's something about fear that's very powerful in our lives. What is it that keeps us often from walking in the ways of God? For example, what is it that stops us evangelizing? What's the one biggest thing that stops you from sharing your faith with others? It's not that you don't know what to say, You know, it's right? You don't know, not you don't know the gospel. It's not that you're, you know, you're ill-equipped it's fear is the number one thing, right? That stops us from sharing our faith. How will people react? What keeps us from humbling ourselves and confessing our sin or our faults uh, to our brothers and sisters in the Lord? What keeps us uh, being secretive in our sin and not open and and, and repenting? It's fear of what people will think of us. What keeps us from speaking up for the truth? When truth is being disregarded, it's usually fear. What stops us from trying to make friends when we're feeling lonely? Well, it'd probably be a fear of being rejected and and so on. What keeps us generally then from living in the promises of God? It keeps us locked up or keeps us caged, it's fear. And fear is, a life lived in fear is very much like living in a cage. If you've ever been to the zoo and they have got animals in cages, you'll see uh, that, you know, the animals stalk around inside the cage. Sometimes they come up to the bars, but they've learned pretty quickly they can't get through those bars. And uh, they're just in there. And so within that confines of that cage, those animals are free, right, within their little space. They can walk up and down. No one's stopping them. They can walk backwards and forwards. They can go east and west and north and south until they get to the bars. And fear as a, as a feeling is so horrible, we don't like it, that it keeps us sometimes in a cage where we'll do anything uh, not to feel that feeling of fear. And so what that means is we will our life gets more constricted Our opportunities, our field of vision, our scope of living gets closed in upon us so that it's like we're living in a cage. And so long as we don't go to the border of that cage and hit that fear, we don't feel afraid. So we don't have to live with daily feelings of fear because we're just not even testing the boundaries of our cage. And so within those limits, we don't have the experience of fear. So are you free, but are you free from fear if you're living in a cage of fear? No, even if you're not feeling it every day, it's the fear that's stopping you pushing those boundaries and doing other things that God wants you to do. And so our life then becomes a series of coping mechanisms where we adjust our living make sure we don't ever have to feel the feeling of fear you know and, and look some of this is kind of simplistic but you could think about for example if you have a fear of the dark you know uh, what's your coping mechanism Well, you sleep with a light on you just learn to do that so you and I can understand that it means you never have to actually feel those feelings of fear well Let's have a look now at the first part of our passage in Numbers. And by the way, I think the Lord has compassion on the fearful and and the timid. And I think this is something that, you know, I'm not here to point the finger and say, you horrible, afraid people. This is about the Lord delivering his people from fear and sending them into the promised land. We'll, we'll, we'll We'll talk more about this as we go through starting in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 14 then and this portion is really talking about looking through the lens of fear Then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron the whole congregation said to them would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword our wives and our little ones will become a prey Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Well, we can see in verse 1 there, crying and weeping going on. This is a group panic, if you ever saw one, right? The whole nation is weeping and crying out. They're desperate. This is a horrible scene. I mean, this is a truly horrible scene of a mass panic attack. And... You know, fear is an emotion, right? You, you, it's one of those emotions, like any other emotion, you can't directly control it. For example, if I said to you right now, be afraid right now, be very afraid, you know, you, you're just going to laugh, uh, you know, because you're not afraid of me. And uh, and so, right? But you can't directly turn on the feeling of fear, or and you can't directly turn it off either. Uh, but, but you can indirectly control it, and we'll talk about that as it goes through. I should, by the way, want to distinguish perhaps what we might call fright from fear. I, I know that they're kind of all on a continuum, but I think when we're talking about the kinds of fear that Israel are facing here in the wilderness as they're heading towards the Promised Land, it's not, you know, the, it's not just that moment when someone sneaks up behind you and you know, bangs a balloon or something like that. It's, that's just a fright, and, and that's just, just a normal human reaction uh, to something that loud or a surprise that's not really what we're talking about here by the way you know fear is not always a bad thing you know i'd be afraid to uh jump off the top of that building over there several stories high Mm -hmm. Um, that's a kind of inbuilt protection mechanism that god has given us to keep us alive and and so you know that's uh that's That's a kind of inbuilt thing and not always bad. Not all kinds of fear are bad. For example, the Bible says over and again, we should fear the Lord. And so there is good fear and there's bad fear. But let's talk about this kind of fear that's happening in the the wilderness as the people respond in verse two. It says, all the sons of Israel or the children of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. That's interesting, right? Fear finds fault, right? When you feel afraid, you look for someone to blame, right? When you feel afraid, you look for someone else to blame. And in verse three, you'll see they're even blaming God. Why did the Lord bring us into this this land to fall by the sword, right? They're blaming even the Lord who has rescued them from slavery uh for the, the terrible situation that they feel that they're in and so fear tends to externalize and find fault with someone else for what's making you feel afraid and you put the blame on them we're going to come back to that in a f- in a couple of minutes and in verse 2 also the congregation said wish we had died in the land of egypt Would we have died in this wilderness fear is intolerable as a feeling. You just ha- it's Im- almost impossible to keep living with it. You've got to find some way to deal with it. And so they would rather have died, actually. Even death seems better sometimes. And they are desperate for escape. I don't know if you've ever been desperate in a situation of desperate fear. I can remember uh, when I was a, a young boy and uh, we were our family had a camping Vacation or holiday, and uh, I was sleeping on a camp bed in my sleeping bag, one of those uh, little sleeping bags with a zip up the front, a big hood around it, a little thing to tie it around the neck, and uh, you know the children go in and and my sister was on another camp bed in this, in this tent that we were in, and my parents were in, in a kind of uh, caravan we call a trailer, which the tent was attached to, and so uh, with my with my other sister, and so anyway, uh, before we turned out the light or uh, turned off the lights at night, my sister decided to read me uh, from a book, and she'd got from the local library uh, and brought on on holiday. And this was a, a book full of kind of ghost stories and horror th- horror things. I don't know. She was older than me, and I don't know why she read it to me, but she did. So my mind was filled with all this really creepy stuff and then the lights went out and of course we're down in the countryside it was pitch black and no no lights and I, I and that's when i went to sleep so i went to sleep and i woke up and somehow something was pressing on top of me i was lying on my back and there's a big weight on top of me from my f- my face all the way down my body and i couldn't move my of course one of those sleeping bags and see so and uh I'm trying to move and grunt and i could hardly breathe and I was pushing and yelling and trying to do something. It was a terrifying moment as something was literally pressing me down. And, uh, I, and I couldn't escape from this sleeping bag. One of those things that got twisted around the back and the, the knot you know, so we are tied up this knot with a nice little bow we were going to sleep, and somehow I couldn't untie it. And it was around here. My arms were down there, and were down by my sides. and Everything is just black and dark, and I start yelling and yelling as much as I could in a muffled way into whatever was weighing on top of me and Then the lights came on my parents came My parents came in with a with a flashlight and they and what had happened is that in the night, I had rolled off my camp bed in my sleeping bag and I had rolled underneath my sister 's camp bed. And so I was uh, literally under her as she was sleeping there with this sort of, uh, and, uh, and so it was, that's all it was. And, uh, and so, but you know, with what had happened as a story she'd been reading, that was a, for me a terrifying moment. I was desperate, desperate to escape. <laughs> and uh, the, you know, the lights came on, it was really nothing at all. But uh, you know, that's what happens when you're kids. But it's intolerable. You can't live with that without doing something fear is also irrational look what they says in look what they say in verse 3 would that we had died in the wilderness or, or in egypt what we had died in egypt or in this wilderness why is the lord and then they say why has the lord brought us here to die now, that doesn't make sense they're saying we wish we died in egypt or we died in the wilderness why has the lord brought us here to die they're afraid of death and so they say we wish we're dead I mean it doesn't even make sense it's totally irrational that's what fear does to us right it makes us irrational we start thinking weird things it's like when you're afraid of rejection you're lonely and you're afraid of rejection and so you don't reach out to make friends with anybody because you're afraid they'll reject you and so what happens you stay lonely it's just one of those odd things it's not rational Not reasonable, but that's what fear does to us. And for fear, you'll notice in the text here that fear prefers the familiar to the unknown. Look at verse 3 and 4. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, what did they just come for? What was Egypt for them? This was 400 years of slavery that they were desperate to escape from and in fact had cried out to God f- to set them free from and that's why God sent Moses and delivered them and God delivered them from, from Egypt and he did it in a miraculous way but notice where they're afraid what fear then will do is seek out the familiar that they'd, they'd rather have the familiar slavery of Egypt than the, th- than the un known threats that exist out there in the future in the promised land even if it is slavery and oppression that's what fear does to us pushes us back to the familiar and away from what we see as unknown because in our minds the risk is greater in the unknown than it is in the familiar even if it's a horrible familiarity So the question I think for us is, are we going to be ruled by our fears? As I said, you can't directly control the feeling of fear as an emotion. It's not something you can turn on and off. But what you can do indirectly is decide whether you're going to be ruled by it, especially when it means that if you're ruled by your fears, you end up disobeying the Lord, which is what's happening here, right? God has told them, that he was going to be their God they were going to be his people he'd made a covenant with them he's taken them into the land he's personally presenced himself with them and he's given them Moses as their leader and now they're rejecting Moses let's choose another leader and they're rejecting God's command and they're rejecting God's promised land and they're going back to the state they were in before God ever rescued them And in doing so, absolutely rebelling against the Lord and His ways and His will. And losing out on His promises in the process. Are we going to be ruled by our fears? So you have to make that decision. Am I going to be ruled by my fears or am I going to be obedient to the Lord? And that's actually the choice we have to make. Now... We move to our next part of our passage, verses 5 to 9. And this is really about looking through the lens of faith now. Let's read this, verses 5 to 9. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephune, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we passed through to spy out, It is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. See the difference between the people's fearful response, and Moses, sorry, and uh, Moses, Aaron, of course, falling before the Lord, and Joshua and Caleb here saying, being full of faith, particularly here, Caleb in the way he speaks. What does it mean then to look through the lens of faith rather than lens of fear? If you're looking at life through the lens of fear, you're seeing always the threat, right? You're You're seeing the threat. True or untrue? If you're looking through the lens of faith, you're seeing the Lord. You're seeing what He can do, and you're seeing His character. You know, I sometimes think of that poem by Kipling. You know, where if when He says, you know, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, uh, you know, it goes on to say you'll be a man. But there's a, there's a that's what faith is. It's keeping our head by trusting in the Lord even when everybody else is fearful Moses and Aaron when this evil report comes back of the land you know they, they hear they they what they do is turn to the Lord in prayer and humbling they just fall on their faces before the Lord that's that's a great way to start how do you look through the lens of faith you start in prayer you start before the Lord, you humbled yourself before the Lord. And here I am, Lord, help. If we go back into chapter th- uh, thirteen, uh, we see that uh, in in verse twenty seven to thirty three, that we see this uh, as they come back. This is what the the ten the ten uh, spies said we came to the land which you sent us it flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit they brought back some grapes and things like that however the people who dwelled in the land are strong the cities are fortified and very large and we saw besides the descendants of Anak there these are very tall people Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said let us go but once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go up against the people. They are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they'd spied out, saying, The land through which we've gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Rather remarkable. In our passage here in uh in verses six to eight joshua and caleb tear their clothes a sign of distress and mourning and they said a good land if the lord delights in us he'll bring us into this land and give it to us a land that flows with milk and honey verses six to eight faith starts with the same data as fear, but interprets it differently. The ten say this is a land that flows with milk and honey. By the way, that just sounds sticky to me, but what does it mean a land that flows with milk and honey? Well, the milk see, it means you've got sheep and goats and cattle that can produce milk, and that takes pasture and that takes grass. So in, they're in the wilderness, right, and they're, going to, they're coming to a land which has grass. And, uh, and, and honey, of course, takes what? Flowers. And so they're coming into a land with, with grass and flowers. Uh, it's not England, right? It's not all green and, 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 and like somewhere in the, or up in New England in America, somewhere like that. It's still the Middle East, and you'll see that the, the things that the produce of the land is the same as the produce of Israel today, right? Dates and grapes and, and things like this but nevertheless it's a good and and in fact it's an exceedingly good land that's what that's what they said Caleb and Joshua they see the potential of the land it's not just flowing with milk and honey it's exceedingly good fear see there was always a but with fear it's flowing with milk and honey but we're not able to take this land whereas Caleb it's flowing with milk and honey, and we are well able to overcome it. That's where the difference between the lens of faith and fear, right? Well able is the lens of faith. Unable, that's the lens of fear. The lens of fear makes our vision darker and distorted. It exaggerates the problem. Look what they finish up saying in verse, in chapter 30, 13, verse 32. Uh, just after saying it's a land that flows with milk and honey, they say, this is a land that... Di- devours its inhabitants that's exaggerating the problems right there are people there they're not all dead right? this is a land that devours in inhabitants and they say all the people we saw in it are of great height now there were some tall people there the descendants of Anark, but that's not most of them right so now they've got this vision of the land. It's no longer a good land. It's, d- it's a, a land that is bad. It devours the inha- inhabitants. Everybody's huge. They've just got this, you know, enlarging view as their fear enlarges the problems to make them bigger and bigger and bigger. That's what fear does. But faith brings our problems down to size. Fear looks at ourselves. We're not able. They are stronger than we are. We seemed like grasshoppers to them and to us. Faith looks to the Lord. By the way, this is not a message about being an optimist, okay? I'm not talking about being an optimist, you know, an optimist and pessimist. That's not what it's about. It's not just you should have a positive outlook on life. Why? Because it's good to be positive. No, that's not what we're saying. Faith is not just looking... With positive feelings, faith is looking to the Lord himself, understanding his character. Caleb said, if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land. He will bring us into this land, and he will give it to us. Look what he says in verse 9. Remember that, that, that their protection, actually in the Hebrew, that word protection is shadow. It's a metaphor, an idiom, they use the word shadow as a, as for protection. You can understand in a hot and sunny place where uh, the shadow is a good thing because it's uh, it's something that protects you from the hot rays of the sun. So their shadow, when it says their shadow is removed from them, meaning they are now exposed to the heat of what of the Lord bringing Israel in to his, to the promised land. And he says the Lord is with us. That's God's presence. That's if God's with you, there's nothing that can ultimately destroy you, right? Because He's with you. Don't fear them. That's what Caleb said. Don't fear them. The Lord's with us. Remember that the Lord is with you. Do you know that? If you're a believer in Jesus today, see, fear leads to rebellion and disobedience we need to turn from our fear and turn to the Lord. Remember that the Lord is with you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Psalm 34 verse four, Psalm 34 verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Love that verse, he delivered me from all my fears. You know, I once prayed for a guy, he said, "Do you pray for me? I'm really, really afraid of spiders and uh, and so okay i'll pray for you so we prayed for him and and he went off on a mission trip to spain and uh when he came back from the mission trip he uh people were telling the story they said look uh, we're out there in spain and this guy this guy who had been so afraid of spiders said to them hey look at this look at this and he he brought them over and he had a dirty great spider crawling up and down his arm and he said look at that God has set me free from fear of spiders totally free now honestly I'm not sure I want to be quite that free of fear from but uh, you know that's uh, that's interesting right Jesus just totally set him free from that fear That's what God does. He delivers us from fear as we look to him in faith. Let's read verses 10 to 12 now. And this is about exposing the root of unbelief. All the congregation said to stone them with stones. That's Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua. That's pretty bad, right? But what happens? God steps in. The glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. and The Lord spoke to Moses. How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. See, what is it that makes us afraid? Or, what? another way of saying this, what is it that makes danger into debilitating fear? There will always be threats. There will always be dangers. But what, those, what turns those dangers into cages of fear? And it's really unbelief. It's not trusting in God, His goodness, His character, His power. I said before that people look for some fear looks for someone to blame and punish. As we saw in verse two and verse five, when they start grumbling against Moses and Aaron, even against the Lord, here they start. They look to stone. The, 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 few, the four of them that were still holding up for the truth and for faith and for God it's what happens by the way in political life when some, there's some threat or danger to the nation everybody looks for scapegoats whose fault is it that's the first thing we do something goes wrong first thing we want is someone to punish one of our own let's find out who should have protected us who should have done differently let's punish someone we've got to someone's got to go to jail for this someone's head should roll that's the political instinct, right? We feel fear, we look for someone to blame and punish. Maybe you are driving with your family and there's a frightening near accident. You get a bit scared when the accident is only just averted. What's the temptation? Start blaming someone. How could you let that happen? Look what you did, keep your eyes on the road. And you, the, the, you know, what to say back to that is, stop distracting me you kids have the music up too loud whatever it is right looking fear reacts by looking to blame someone faith turns to the lord in trust and thankfulness we read from verse 10 to 12 that the fault we discover lies within unbelief is the root of fear how long will this people despise me how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I've done among them. You know, we need a bigger picture of Jesus. We need a better or more accurate understanding of who God is, to fear the Lord more than we fear our fears. We need to open our eyes to what the Lord has already done for us. Think of what the Lord had already done for Egypt at this point. The signs in Egypt as he had persuaded Pharaoh to let them go. Uh, coming through the Red Sea, the manna every day that they ate, the cloud and fire to guide them, the voice from the mountain to speak to them and make his covenant with them, the glory of the Lord appearing to them. We need to open our eyes to see what the Lord had already done for us. Make a list. If you are feeling afraid, if anxiety and fear are, are caging you, listen, just start writing a list of the good things that God has done for you and meditate on that recognize where unbelief has crept in and repent of our unbelief and seek deliverance from our fears hey if we're afraid what should we do about it recognize the the unbelief at the root of fear we really need a different picture of God a bigger picture of Jesus need to trust him and we need to choose to obey anyway despite our feelings you know God is not judging you for feeling afraid. He does judge however the unbelief that turns a threat into a reason to disobey. And it's in this passage that the Lord is saying to us and as just as Caleb and Joshua said to them fear not. So many times in the Bible it says fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't give in to fear. God determines in this passage to to judge Israel for their unbelief. He's going to make Moses into a new nation. He's going to be the new Abraham. We saw that back in Exodus chapter 32. Now he's going to do it again. He's, he's, He's basically saying the same thing. And at this point, verses 13 to 19, Moses prays to the Lord, intercedes for God's mercy on Israel. And this is where we find our passage. Let's read verses 13 to 19. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people, for you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say it is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them that he's killed them in the wilderness. And now, please, let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you've forgiven this people from Egypt until now. This is about praying and trusting the, the nature and character of God. Praying and trusting the nature and character of God. What do you do when you're bound in fear or those around you are bound in fear? As Moses is praying for others, right? Moses is interceding again on the basis of na- two things. On the basis, number one, of God's glory and reputation among the nations. What will people think out there? What will the nations say? What will the Egyptians say? What will the Canaanites say, the Arabs and the nations around. i will say you're not able to do it. And he's basically talking about the basis of God's power. Is he able to bring them into the land? That's the question, right? Is God able to bring Israel into the land just like he brought them out of Egypt? Can he take them into the promised land? That's the question. And of course, Moses has a concern for God's reputation and that's what he prays that's how he prays, about God's power. And then the second thing he prays is about God's character. As And of course, we we just read that, right, just now. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation. That's verse 17 and 18 of Numbers 14. That's almost a direct quote of Numbers 34, 6, and 7. Not quite exactly. It misses some of the words. It actually uses, in English anyway, it uses 38 of the 58 words that are found there in Exodus 34, 6, and 7. And it just kind of, it's a summary form, reminding God of his covenant declaration and his merciful character. He puts his trust in the Lord that the Lord is exactly who he says he is. Do we trust our feelings of fear, or do we trust the goodness and power of God? We pray the power and character or the nature and character of God, and we trust that that is God is able to fulfill his promises, and God is good and forgiving, even to forgive us our unbelief, which leads us into fear. That's the intercession that Moses is doing. You know, uh I went on this uh, mission one time uh, in the days uh, before the the iron curtain came down, before the wall came down, going into Russia uh, at the height of communist power there. And uh, as we were praying before we went to Russia, we realized the Lord was saying to us that, you know, that's the way that the communists ruled in Russia. It was really by fear you know, got everybody reporting on each other, uh, uh, just fear of state power, and uh, that's how they stayed in power. And, and if we were going to be good news in Russia, we couldn't be f- in fear ourselves. We couldn't be ruled by fear ourselves. Otherwise, what kind of good news do we have to say to people? Can we come in and say Jesus can set you free from fear, and they say, "What about you?" Well, yeah, I'm dead scared. So, what does that uh, what does that mean then, right? And so we determined, we, we prayed and prayed before we went, Lord, give us boldness. Lord, deliver us Lord, from fear. Lord, re- we repent from our unbelief that would make us afraid going into that land. And I will say that God put upon us a, a really holy boldness as we went in by the power of the Spirit. And uh, we witnessed, uh, every, including inside the Kremlin itself, the walls of the Kremlin, everybody we met, we talked about Jesus. and uh, And so even going into the airport there as we were bringing Bibles in, you know, in, in our luggage and everything, and that was banned. So we kind of had these tense moments. But everywhere, we we sought as we could to go not rule. We we had feelings occasionally, but we decided we're not going to be ruled by them. We're going to be trusting the Lord. And you know what, the Lord is as good as his word. He's as good as his word. He totally helped us. I'm not saying we never, ever felt afraid here and there, but we were that in the goodness and power of the Lord, he helped us to go into what for us from outside was a fearful situation and uh, helped us to witness and, and to hundreds of people and lead people to Christ. I want to finish off then with the final few verses, verses tw- 24 to 20 to 24. The Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. This is about receiving mercy and justice. Truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness yet have put me to the test these ten times that have not obeyed my voice. None of them shall see the land I swore to give their fathers, and none of those who despise me shall see it but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it this is both mercy and justice god in his mercy pardons israel for their unbelief he's not going to destroy them and start again with moses he's going to bring them as a la- as a nation into the land but those who have re- those who repeatedly had disobeyed and disbelieved and rejected l- the lord ended up dying in the wilderness they and it wasn't that god just hit them with a plague they they, the next verse 25 which is not in our text for this morning but the the next verse basically tells them uh go back to the wilderness and uh by the way of the red sea in other words they're basically going back into the desert and they're going to be there for 40 years until that whole generation has passed away And God, in that 40 years, provided for them miraculously food every day, water, miraculously provided for them, guided for them, cared them, cared for them incredibly. But they didn't, that generation did not make it into the promised land, but God was still acting in mercy. The unbelieving then stay and die in the wilderness, but Caleb and Joshua, they trust and obey in the Lord and they receive their reward and they get the opportunity to trust God again when they have to go into the promised land and fight those battles. Let's finish up then. Remember, it's not really the feeling of fear that matters, although that's a powerful feeling. It's whether we are ruled by it. You know, sometimes we overcome fear by going through the experience we're afraid of and finding it wasn't so bad, right? Like trying to get a child to eat something for the first time. Eat this. No! Eat this. No! Then you eat it, okay, and they want more, right? Sometimes happens like that. So, this doesn't always work. I, I, I testify as a parent of four. But look, are we those who trust in the goodness, the power, the greatness, the mercy, the love, the covenantal faithfulness of the Lord? Do we have a bigger picture of Jesus or are we gonna be ruled by fear? Who's afraid of giants? Well, you know what? I think I might be sometimes, but it cannot let those fears cage you in your life so that you're just confined within the walls of fear. You've got to trust the Lord. We have to do that. And you know what? We can do that because God is trustworthy god is trustworthy do not fear the lord is with you amen shall we pray hallelujah lord yes lord i sought the lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears lord you're a god a great god who's so trustworthy you rescue us, you deliver us, you take us in your hand, you take us with you, and we walk with you into the promises, into your promises, into the promised land. Lord, you are Lord, you are God who is powerful and merciful and good and just. Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, just bring your fear. Lord, Lord we're just praying to the Lord now that he would Deliver us from fear today. Just bring your fears to the Lord. Just mention them to the Lord. And say, this is what I'm afraid of, Lord. And just confess if, if, if there's been unbelief at the root of that fear, just bring that to the Lord and ask him to forgive you. And turn away from it. And just commit in your own heart and mind and to not be ruled by fear but to trust in Jesus because he is with you. His Holy Spirit is in you. He is good and powerful and gracious and merciful. He understands your fears and he, understa- he has compassion on us. He forgives us our unbelief and deliver us from our fear. Father, in Jesus' name, deliver us now and help us to walk in your holy boldness empowered by your spirit, delighting in your presence, walking in obedience, faithfully trusting you with whatever is the outcome. We thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
4: smile. God, we thank you for your son's work on the cross, we thank you that he died for us, we thank you and we praise you for the way that you have taken away our sin, and God, we pray as we face our fears that we will remember that we can place our trust in you, and that we, we don't need fear, God, we don't need worry, we don't need shame, we don't need anxiety, what we need is to fully put our faith and our trust in you, and we pray that this week we will make this a part of our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.
0: Got him on my knees.
1: Got him on. My Begging please, again, I need you. Oh, I need you. Walking down these desert roads, water for my thirsty soul. I need you. Oh, I need you. Your forgiveness it's is nice. like sweet. Like the sound of a symphony to my ears It's like holy water on my skin Dead man walking Dead man walking, slave sin I want to know about being born God, I need you. Take me to the riverside. Take me under baptize. I need you. Oh, God, I need you. Cause your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my mountain your grace. But God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. And I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes, makes me want to change. Say what I don't want to. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. Like sweet, sweet honey on my lips It's like the sound of a symphony to my ears It's like holy water
0: for church. See you guys next week.